Mark, it's great to see you in another great Friday for New York sports. And, of course, the NBA Finals are on. Certainly. Uh, it's beautiful outside, but we find ourselves inside. And whether you're at home listening on the radio or in the car, thanks for joining us. And uh, I said it before when we went on live fa- on Facebook Live, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, coming up game three in a couple days. We just got done with the NBA Finals game one. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, a great time in sports right now. And also, you know, the NFL is always relevant, so we'll get into the Jets. They're always uh, a circus and a half. So um, a lot to talk about today. Well, a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting news coming out, especially um, in terms of the NBA, NHL. But one team that is not exactly happy right now in terms of their front office management are the New York Mets because their mascot did something yeah, a little bit too harsh to one of the fans. Flipping off, if you could say, with four fingers, a fan that was holding a Coca-Cola cup. Uh, Mr. Met now facing disciplinary action, if you will, yeah, from the, the Mets the organization. Yeah, I think the employee uh, is, will remain with the Mets. He will, no, he will never get to wear the Mr. Met costume ever again in his life. And if that isn't punishment enough, I don't know what is. That's sad, because everyone loves Mr. Met except for Noah Syndergaard. People actually expect, and do you believe this, that Noah Syndergaard actually was Mr. Met in that occasion? Wow. Oh, is this was, one was, of those, like, conspiracy Exactly, a conspiracy theory, yep. I don't think so. I mean, I saw the video. I think everyone has at this point. Mr. Met, I think they would need a bigger Mr. Met costume. Noah Syndergaard is what, like 6'5"? I mean, kind of a, a little stubby baseball it, man of a costume. But it's a conspiracy, though. But, you know, it's funny. So I was listening uh, to, I think, ESPN Radio on the way here, and they were talking about why, what provoked Mr. Mm-hmm. Met, or the man inside Mr. Met, to uh, flip up his middle finger towards a couple of fans. If it is one, of <laughs> course. He's only got four fingers. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, who knows? who? Man, woman, child, whoever's in there, <laughs> flipped up the middle finger. Um... And the supposed reason behind this was because supposedly the fans yelling at Mr. Met knew who was inside the costume. I don't know if they were friends or Mm -hmm. apparently not close friends because they were talking trash to him. And the trash they were talking was apparently they were saying bad things about Mr. Met's mom. The man who, the person who was inside the Uh. costume, they were talking about his mom, hence the rage which caused him to... Curse at them via his middle finger. So. Now, I think uh, I think you and I can both agree that Noah Syndergaard is probably the happiest man alive right now <laughs> that we're discussing the downfall of Mr. Met. Could be a little bit happier in, in a lot of ways, I think, well, uh, considering where the Mets are. Is but. this is this the most exciting news for the New York Mets in a season that is basically all but lost? I don't know if the word is exciting. I think the word or newsworthy is the latest catastrophe. <laughs> Um, in the Mets season, but um, they they've really struggled, and we uh, probably won't be talking about them much today because they've mm-hmm. you know they lost again last night to uh, to Milwaukee two to one, and they're uh, you know this is just one other instance down the uh, down the hill for the Mets so far in this early part of the season has not been pretty for the New York Mets again five one six four six three W R H U here inside the Empire State Sports Show on eighty eight point seven FM W R H U also live on Facebook at W R H U Sports Nick Farriott here with Mark Mauser just talking about Mr. Matt and that whole fiasco but let's talk about a team that seems to be trending upward in terms of their rebuilding process and that's New York Jets. So for the New York Jets, not a lot of news except for a a pretty big uh, trade here. The Jets traded Calvin Pryor to Cleveland for Demario Davis, a linebacker for the Browns. Now, I'll get your opinion on this. I'm just going to be brief about this. Go for it. The Jets trade is 
tremendously successful. I think this is a great trade for the New York Jets for two reasons. Number one, you save money. Calvin Pryor was not going to be on your starting roster. By cutting him, you have to pay him $3 million. By trading him, you save $1.5 million that can go to a younger player, that can go to another contract for a possible free agent that you could pick up later on in the season or for next season. This is a great trade in terms of cap, but also in terms of production. Demario Davis, 99 tackles for Cleveland last year in a starting role and we have said from the beginning the two biggest weaknesses from this Jets team corner and linebacker they finally add some depth along the linebacker position this is a great move for the New York Jets I agree I mean the Jets haven't had a relevant successful linebacker mm-hmm. in a long time and if you're Demario Davis your first time around with the Jets they obviously I mean didn't think yeah. you were worthy of re-signing so he ended up with the Browns but they bring him back and speaking of contracts because you went down that road this is kind of like a one-year rental for the Jets exactly. because he's a free agent in 2018. I love situations like that, no matter what sport it is. He's a one-year rental. He performs. You re-sign him. Probably, you probably get a little bit of a maybe discount or at least the advantage in signing him because he was playing for your team. If he doesn't perform, so what? He's a free agent. In terms of Calvin Pryor, you mentioned not only was he not producing, mm-hmm. this guy not only was not going to start, like you said, this guy was practicing with the third and fourth yeah. strings in practice. And do you think he gave up on them too soon? Ah. Uh, no, I don't. I agree. I, and yeah. and it, it's it's unfortunate for Calvin Pryor because it's a combination of he played poorly and and it, I will say I think if it wasn't for Jamal Adams and Marcus May, two very talented safeties that the Jets drafted in the first and second rounds of the draft, if they hadn't drafted Jamal Adams, if these very potent safeties weren't available, maybe Calvin Pryor stays because that talent isn't there. But it's a combination of him performing poorly and the talent in the draft, Calvin Pryor's got to go. I agree on that case. I'm going to go a little bit in-depth to their safeties. They draft May and Adams, one and two in the draft. And I wrote an article about them for Jets Insider. And coming out of college in LSU, Jamal Adams is considered, considered to be a more well-polished Cam Chancellor. And that wow. is huge. High praise. When you're talking about the New York Jets, you've got your, your stalwart on the defensive end. And Marcus May, a poor man's Earl Thomas. You know, he, he's athletic. He's quick. Needs to be a little bit more physical. You know, he needs help against the run, but he's very good in pass coverage. So you have someone like Calvin Pryor who, you know, coming out of college, yes, he was physical, but he was a little slower, oh, like a Jamal Adams, but Jamal Adams is more polished. And, and it's obvious Pryor was not going to fit into the system. The Jets, I've said this every week I've been on this show, they're rebuilding. It's all about the rebuild. You save as much money as humanly possible, and you get the best available players for your team. And Demario Davis, again, something we haven't talked about, 28 years old. He puts up a 100-tackle season or, or helps in the run game. This is a great trade. And, and Cleveland, good for them for getting this because they get a talent in, in, in Calvin Pryor. But this is a win for the Jets in every respect of, the, of, of this debate here because you save money. You get rid of a guy that was going to be costly in terms of cap, and now you get an extra player. I agree, and it's again it's a combination of Calvin Pryor not necessarily performing and probably fitting better in Cleveland's defense, mm-hmm. which is more physical anyways. That's the way he plays. And, of course, Jamal Adams being a sensational talent, 90 tackles in 24 games uh, with LFU in his last two seasons. Mark Mausner and Nick Farrer here inside the Empire State Sports So 88.7 FM. WRHU streaming live on Facebook Live as well. Be sure to call us with all your phone calls, 516-463-WRHU, whatever your questions, comments, concerns may be. 
And so, Nick, we went over just now the New York Jets, mm-hmm. a team probably far from making any type of championship run. Now let's move on to the championship series going on in the NHL, the Stanley Cup Finals. Now the Penguins went up 2-0 over the Predators, uh, a big victory at home after they gave up a 3-0 lead in the first game, end up winning that one 5-3, dominate 4-1 in Game 2. What do you see? Ha- well, what did you see in the first two games? What do you think that could spell for the rest of the series? Well, let's go through this entire in game two in general. Nashville takes the one nothing lead in the first period, and, and you know Jake Gunsel ties it up at one in the first as well. No score in the second, and then Gunsel again completely taking over in this ball game. Wonderful news! Back ahead now comes Rust, and Rust a shot turned out. Rebound! And this is the case that I have said several times, again, cut courtesy of NBC. Um, several teams, no matter, no matter the sport, you, you run on Steam because you're a Destiny's, Destiny's child. You're the team that is running just based on Destiny in general. That doesn't get you a title. The teams that win championships are the more complete team. Pittsburgh is a dynasty in the making right now because of Malkin and Crosby. I agree. It, plain and simple. And you're, you're, in terms of Nashville, you're just in their way right now. And I think that's the basic case. Because in game one, you dominated that game. 37 minutes it took for Pittsburgh to score in that game. At one point, they didn't put up a single shot. Pittsburgh did not put up a single shot in the second period and halfway through the third. They had no business winning that game, and yet they put up five. Yeah, and to me, that right there kind of is the beauty of hockey, is you can, frankly, outplay your opponent. And I think the Predators have outplayed yes, the Penguins. Yes, absolutely. I don't think they've tremendously outplayed the Penguins, but they've outplayed Game them. one, they did, I think so. Game yeah. one, they did. Game two, they were... They C- was certainly bad. in the second and third periods uh, of game one. But you can tremendously outplay your opponent. All that matters mm-hmm. is if the puck goes past, you know, goes past the goalie. And Pecorino has struggled. He got pulled at the end of game two. And... You talk about the Penguins not getting shots on goal. That's very well said. Here's the thing about the Penguins. They've had two bursts so far, just in the Stanley Cup Finals, of like two goals in two minutes. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a quick strike offense in the NFL. Nick, I know you're a football guy. It's mm-hmm. like throwing one deep to Odell Beckham, boom, seven points. It's it's unstoppable almost. And breaking up, breaking down this matchup before the Stanley Cup Finals even started, commentators everywhere were talking about the speed of both teams. Both teams have goaltenders in Murray and Pecorine who love to get the fast break going, love to push the puck, love to get the offense rolling at times offensively. And they done and they did it up until this point. Pecorine was doing a great job. The problem is again, sometimes. Luck is not on your side, and that's the case for Pecorine right off the bat. You see it. Th- this fast-break offense is not working for the Nashville Predators because Pittsburgh is it, it playing into Pittsburgh's hands. Pittsburgh loves this speed. They love the quick-tempo offense, and you can see it. This entire offense is built on, on that format. If I'm Nashville, you have to change the entire way you're trying to win these games because it's just not working. Right, and it's not only the pace. I agree with you. I think that the Predators have been paying a little bit more towards the pace of the Penguins falling right into their trap. And you mentioned how early this has the potential. Of course, you know they won last year, mm-hmm. the defending champs. They're already up 2-0 in this uh, final. This has the potential to, to be a dynasty. Here, here could be why. 2-0 up in the series, no goals from Sidney Crosby. Now, yeah. he's dealing with some concussion problems, but that, again, speaks to the depth of this team. Malkin, I think... I, I've always loved Malkin. Nick Bonino has played well. Gunsel. And then you have Gunsel has 10 mm-hmm. goals. Uh, you don't even need Sidney Crosby, and you're, you're defeating the Predators almost with ease. You don't need him, 
But if you look at the game itself, in Game 1, Crosby was a huge factor in moving the puck. The first two goals they scored were because of Crosby right. and And that's what and the great success. ones do. You don't need to show exactly. up. You don't need to have five goals. Oh, okay, he's the main guy. He's doing... The, the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Exactly. Also, I'm sure being a leader, you know, during the uh, the intermission. So uh, he's being the leader without necessarily having it necessarily show up on the ice. And a lot of people, obviously, a lot of people do not like Crosby. A little bit of a cheap shot for the first goal in game one. But in the end, this is not about Crosby. This is about the team that has been assembled by the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're top-heavy, obviously, Malkin and, and Crosby, but the lower-level guys, the second and third lines, are just outplaying Nashville right now, and you can see it. Nashville is a team that is built through their defense. A lot of their points come from their defensive side, but their defense is exhausted because Pittsburgh, again, like I said, this quick-straight offense, this fast-break offense is doing everything they possibly can. They don't put up a lot of shots, and yet they're producing. Why? Because the defense is gassed for Nashville, and you can see it. Pecorine is on his last is on his last leg right now. It looks like in in the net right now, and the defense is the same way. They look gassed through two games. It could change, and I expect it to change. But I'll ask you this: If it does change, what needs to happen for Nashville to steal one, steal two at home? Well, I'll tell you what. I could tell you what could happen or what I think the Predators need to do. But who better than PK Subban, one of the best defensemen in the league? He guarantees a win for the Predators in Game 3. We don't lose at our building, so we're going back home. We're going to win the next game, and then we'll see what happens from there. Short, sweet, and simple. So maybe he didn't give you as much insight into what he's thinking, but again, defensively, it has to be more physical. I think you got to meet you know, these uh, Penguins uh, attackmen at the blue line. got to be more physical, whether it's with Crosby. And to negate that... It's happened, I think, four, not just, it's happened two times so far in the final. It's happened five or six times for the Penguins, all playoffs long, where they score two goals, three goals in a span of two or three minutes. You have to be better. You have to get the ball, get the puck out of your zone, excuse me. One thing that I think has been an upside for the Predators has to continue if they want to win. The power play has been good. Yes. Second and third periods of, of game one, they dominated the power play. Now, each team had six minutes and penalties, but the Predators were able to make so much more out of that. If you can combine a stronger defense with the offense you're getting on your power play, that could be a recipe to at least get back in the series. I, look, the power play is obviously, special teams is obviously huge in the game of hockey in general, but the fact of the matter is they have to change their dynamic. I, I really do believe that. This quick, this quick offense that Nashville is doing and continues to employ, it's not working. You have to slow the puck down, and that's the biggest issue that I've seen for them today This in these first two games is because Pittsburgh, they're playing into their hands. Pittsburgh knows exactly what they're going to do. They understand the game. They understand the game plan. They trust each other, and they've been here with each other for a full year. Subban needs to step up as a, as a scorer and as a defender, but that's also the same for every single defender itself. They need to perform. They haven't done so yet, and the other thing is this. Stop the spurts. They're d- Look, in terms of overall game time and ice time, the National Predators are dominating the Stanley Cup Finals. They really are. They're performing very well. They're doing a very good job in some aspects of the game. Yet Pittsburgh goes on these three to four minutes, f- four, three to four minutes and the game is over. that just completely <laughs> overwhelms the Predators in every aspect. And it's because right. of their offense. It's because of these second and third lines. But they got to get production from the forwards. They really, they, it can't just be from the defensive end. It has to come from the forwards as well because you're seeing that the defenders are just tired. Right, and a huge part of it, as we've been saying, is the transition game. You look back to game one, I think that was, obviously, I mean, you look at the final score, 
the better chance for the Predators to steal one in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you go down 3 nothing. That is inexcusable, but you fight back how? Through physicality. You get the Penguins in penalty trouble. You score a couple times on the power play. Boom, it's 3-3. Then the, the Penguins come back on a transition play. Less than five minutes left in the third period. You're looking at overtime or maybe yeah. even a game-winning score for your team. Jay Gonzo gets one, gets behind the defense. Predators don't, don't get back. It's 4-3. Nick Menino scores the uh, empty netter. Game over. Penguins win. That was your best shot to steal one in Pittsburgh. Now you have to win both in uh, Nashville. Which, by the way, let me ask you this here inside the Empire State Sports Show, 88.7 FM. WRHU, Mark Mazur, Nick uh, Faria. Be sure to call in, 516-463-WRHU with all your questions. Nick, this is a team in the Nashville Predators that will be seeing their first ever, if I'm not mistaken, first ever Stanley Cup final. What I, You know, it's funny. My dad is not the hugest hockey fan. I told him Nashville's in the final. He said, Nashville? He didn't even know there's a hockey team in Nashville. <laughs> what are you expecting out of this Nashville crowd? Do you think they'll be able to boost up their team to maybe get a Game 3 win? Tennessee... In terms of a state in sports, I don't think is a, is a state that should garner te- professional teams. Whoa, Nick Farry against the state of Tennessee. I, I've, said, that? I've said this before. The Titans should never have gotten a team. They should have stayed in Houston as the Oilers. I've said it from the beginning. And I don't think Nashville is a city that deserves two sports. From, from the what beginning, I've said this. What are you saying? I've never been. Have you what ever been saying? to Nashville? Well, no, 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 but I mean, it's, it's, it's that mindset. And I expect a very ruckus crowd. It's very loud, and you know, catfishes are flying left and right. <laughs> but in the end, I don't see it. I, I see them winning maybe game four, but Pittsburgh just is it's just too dominant. They're, they're the dy- Look, each, each decade has a dynasty. This decade is for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you've seen it this season. They're just the better team all the way around. They're more complete team all the way around. So we've discussed uh, games one and two, perhaps our predictions for game three. Nick, uh, we'll be back on. I'm not exactly sure what the schedule is in terms of, obviously, we're back on next Friday. I'm assuming there'll be two more games yes, in the next week. So. so unless there's a sweep, this series will still be going on. I guess what I'm asking is your predictions for the final uh, rest of the series. Uh, I'm going to have Pittsburgh in five. I think they're just too dominant. I, I initially had Pitts, I initially had Pittsburgh in six, um, but the way they've dominated these four five minute sports, it just looks unbelievable hockey. They're moving the ball well. Uh, the defense is playing well. Matt Murray is standing on his head as a goaltender. This series is about over, and it's going to take a game four win for Pittsburgh to really close it out. Um, but I think that's the case, though. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh is a little bit overmatching the Predators right now. I could see Pittsburgh in five quite easily. I think that Pecorino, who, by the way, is 11-1 at home in the playoffs, I think he'll steal them a couple of wins. I'm saying 4-2, Penguins win in six games. 516-463-WRHU. Call in with your questions and concerns. We'll answer it on later on in the show here inside the Empire State Sports Show on 88.7 FM WRHU. Nick Ferry here with Mark Mauser, also live on Facebook at WRHU Sports. Take a listen. Just finished talking about the Stanley Cup and our predictions there. We talked about the Jets. Now let's move over to a very controversial argument that's happened the past week or so, and that is the Bryce Harper-Strickland fight between the Nationals and the Giants. And the Nationals this season have been playing very well. The Giants have fallen off a cliff, it seems. But I don't even know how to like segue into this without seeing, seeming biased because Strickland, who was angry at Harper for you know showboating after his two home runs in the NLDS a couple was? years ago, is that what it was? Is that's that what, that's what, with a that's technically people have been saying that's what it was. That's what I've heard 
from several people. Right, because there was no incident. I mean, I think this was the first game of the series, or if there wasn't, yes. there was no big incident exactly. previously. So, so it was from reason? the NLDS from a couple years ago. Strickland threw at Harper. Harper obviously got pissed. Threw his helmet into right field. Not sure where that was going. We'll talk about that later. Sheesh, and then got into up. a fight. Okay. Does it? Who, who's to fault for this? In my opinion, it's Strickland. How can you, as a major league pitcher, as an adult, have a grudge that lasts for two years? Listen, I am a man that hates a lot of people. <laughs> and a lot of them are athletes. Sure. A lot of them are athletes. But to hold a grudge for two years for somebody... And then throw at them at a 98-mile-an-hour fastball? Come on. That's just ridiculous. I mean, I just want to say, I want to preface this entire segment we're about to do, saying any listeners who I would say over the age of 40 maybe want to cover yours because it's what it, what it comes down to is old baseball rules and old baseball thought against new baseball. Bryce Harper represents new baseball. Excitement, bad flips, uh, getting into fights at will. You know, uh, celebrating home runs, celebrating game-winning hits. Hunter Strickland, in this case, I don't know what his ideology behind him is, throwing the pitch represents old baseball. But No, 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 no. Respect for the game, no celebrations. But it's not respect for the game. It's not. Respect for the game is the first game you're pitching next season, you throw at Harper. You know, you get eliminated by the Giants. Yeah, why two and then years you later? That two years later? Is this the first is this the first time he has faced yes. him? Well, no, but so? Two years. So? So then that would, I mean. You, you see the entire issue yeah. with uh, Machado and the Red Sox. That's, yeah. that, entire, that entire issue spans up because the Red Sox didn't throw at him right away after, the, after that. It shows, that again, flip. how strong that, like, quote-unquote, not really old baseball isn't the right term, but the, 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 respe- the respect for the game, the way the game is supposed to be played, supposedly by, I guess, the baseball naturalists, if you want to call them that, is you hold I'm one those of them. I'm one of them. somebody flips the bat, somebody... Maybe flips Not you off if you're Mr. Though. Matt. No, if someone flips the bat, someone is cheering in your face, you peg them with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and that's supposed to end it. No, Bryce but- Harper is of the new age where it says, no, 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 no. I get to celebrate. There is no retaliation. And he no, but, got but, upset no, my about point is, My point is, and we'll hear from Harper in just a little bit, but my point of the matter is retaliation. I'm an old-school baseball player. My belief is you get the job done, you go home, end of story. Don't celebrate until you want a title. If you, if you don't win anything, then you have no reason to celebrate. Jose Bautista and his bat flips, great. Where were you in the, in the World Series? Home or playing golf? One of the two. I mean, that's it one of the biggest matter. home runs in the history of no, the Toronto no, but, Blue Jays. But, but my point of the matter is, and my overall scope of this is, you throw at him first pitch. Of uh, of opening day or, or the first time you see him doesn't matter if it's but you if the, or if it's Johnny if it's Johnny Cueto if it's uh, Madison Bumgarner they throw at him done the the, the mantra is done there's no issue this is two years two but, but what I'm saying if it was two years and yeah I think yeah if it was two years later and he's throwing at him but it, it's the first time he's seen him in two years. It shows, again, how strong it is. I'm not going to forget you celebrating. Here's why. You seem to be more of the baseball naturalist. Yes. No celebrating. Wait till you get the ring. I'm different. I fall on the newer age. Baseball is struggling a little bit in terms of ratings, and a little bit in terms of grasping that younger generation. What's wrong with celebrating a little bit? I don't see the problem with the bat flip, with the, the running around the bases, all happy celebrating. Here's why. You don't want to see me celebrate. Don't let me hit a game winner off you. Don't let me hit, you know, don't let me smack you around the park. If I'm 38 and 8, if I'm 38 and 8 and you're 
22 and 22. Um, and, and you get the record. If I'm in the playoffs and we're up 3 1 and you just hit a dinger to give yourself a 1 nothing lead and you do a bat flip, okay? Well, I think the players are a little bit different. I'm just talking about general over the course of a 162 game season. I, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying the younger generations, which I am a part of, I'm only 20 years old, will lose interest. And I think what will help it a little bit is the guys like Bryce Harper who are willing to flip the bat, celebrate, and we didn't even really talk about the fight that much, get into fights. I think the fact that... This isn't hockey. The very... I understand, but you don't think that a base is clearing, bro, that's not the first thing you see on SportsCenter in the middle of July when the NBA is over, NHL, a base is clearing, bro, surpasses everything. A a big out at night, you know, a full... full, uh, a great yeah. outing by a pitcher. You know what I'm talking about. Three for four, yeah. hitting uh, performance. It surpassed that because that's what people want to see. I'm not saying it's right, but it will put more butts in the seats. And inside the Empire State Sports Show on 88.7 FM, WRHU. Nick Ferry here with Mark Mounser, also live on Facebook at WRHU Sports. Call in 516-463-WRHU for your questions and concerns. We'll answer them later on in the show. When we come back, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. We have to debate the NBA Finals in Game 1, which was an absolute travesty in and of itself. Again, you're listening to the Empire State Sports Show right here on 88.7 FM, WRHU.